0: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham.
1: Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. Hey, we are on Business Radio and we are powered by the Wharton School, SiriusXM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives right here in sunny Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist. And corporate recruiter. And we are here with Dion Simpkins and Patty McMahon, who are behind the glass making everything sound awesome. So if you're just tuning in, it's noon Eastern time, Thursday. We are live and take your calls all hour at 844 Wharton. That's 844 942 7866. And guess what? You've caught us for our Halloween special. For those of you who are longtime listeners, you know this is one of my favorite shows because I love Halloween. And if you're new to the show, welcome. We'd love to take your calls at 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. In honor of Halloween, we will be discussing scary job situations and tricky job search situations that you might come across when you're going to apply for a job. So if you have one of those... We'd love to hear from you. We're taking your questions noon Eastern, live Thursday, all hour long. 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. And to help us with this very fun topic, we welcome back a crowd favorite, Carrie Spaulding. Carrie is the 30-something coach. So, hey, do you have 30-something panic? Then you want to call Carrie. She's an expert coach and facilitator who helps people create the relationships, careers, and lives that they want. Carrie is credited by the International Coaching Federation. Federation, and we're excited to have her here in studio for our Halloween special to talk about all those tricky, tricky job situations. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks, Don. It's so great to be back here. So I'm excited, and, and when you come in, we always have to define 30-something because it's it's broader than 30-something.
2: Yeah, so I a lot of people who find me are experiencing what I call 30-something panic. So it's that feeling of oh, I thought I would have figured out certain things by now, or I thought I had figured out certain things, and now I'm really that this isn't really what I want. And it tends to be characterized by a feeling of wanting to be really intentional about your next steps, get really clear, who am I, what do I
1: want, and how am I going to make that happen sooner rather than later? And that's something that we all want, whether we're 20-something, 30-something. For sure. 40-something. Yeah. It
2: can take on a slightly different flavor in different periods of life, but really we're all about the same things, right? We want purposeful careers. We want meaningful relationships and we want
1: to you know live and be in a world that feels good for us Mm -hmm. hey you're just tuning in you have caught our halloween special which means guess what halloween trivia and fun facts (laughs) because it wouldn't be a halloween special without that so i'm going to start with one and i knew the answer to this carrie and i know i'm putting you on the spot so i had to look this up pumpkins are fruit or vegetables what
2: do you think? ooh, just the fact that you asked the question makes me feel like I should say fruit because I think I think they're vegetables, so I'm gonna say vegetables anyway.
1: it's fruit Ah! See, but you I right, right. See, I should
2: have trust trust your instincts. that's see, the first step here today today.
1: Of group talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think that's true. Whether it's a multiple choice test, whether it's accepting a job offer or not accepting a job offer, trust your instincts. Actually, there's a lot of research, Carrie, about the, the new brain, which is the gut and you know, intuition mm-hmm. and how we you know, for so long have ignored this in favor of, of data and all this stuff that's come out. And of course, data is important, but a lot of times we don't have all the facts when we're, we're accepting a job or when we're in a, in a situation and we have to go with our gut. So I think this is yeah, a good lesson. It,
2: it's definitely one of those places that I find a lot of people have lost touch with their intuition. And it can be really challenging. Like, if, I would follow my gut if I knew what my gut was saying, right? So it's definitely, I think, a valuable thing to be aware. Yeah, we have our head. We have our heart. But we also need to use
1: that uh, that knowing without knowing. Mm-hmm. Yep, a good factor. To, so, yeah. So, and... Just for the record, pumpkins are fruit, so I didn't know that either. All right, if you're just tuning in, 844 Wharton, that's 844-942-7866. We are talking about any and all tricky job situations that you've been in. So maybe you've been in an interview and you've been asked a question and you had no idea how to answer it, or maybe you've had to tell an employee of yours that they, they, something awkward, like they dress inappropriately or they have bad breath or maybe your company's merging and you don't know what's what's going to happen. You're in this ambiguous situation or maybe you share an office with somebody or a cubicle with somebody who's really annoying and you have to deal with it. Any and all tricky job search or career situations is what we are talking about today. Or maybe you have a tip for somebody who's in some of these situations. 844 Wharton, that's 844-942-7866. So, Let's kind of dive into this because, Carrie, you and I kind of came up with a list of of different ones. Here's one of my favorites. Somebody asks you for a reference, but you don't want to give it to them. Mm. And you're, you're thinking, how do I do this? Do I just give them sort of a neutral reference or do I just tell them no or do I just ignore the phone call when it comes in? I mean, there's a lot of ways you can go with this, but um, has that ever happened to you? It. it it hasn't happened to me, I
2: think that the closest that's happened, and I'm trying to even remember, a long time ago, being asked to give a reference for somebody that I just couldn't really speak to because I didn't, it wasn't that I had a negative impression, but I don't think I had enough of an impression. And it's, it's really critical, I think, in this situation to recognize that while it may be awkward it's more important to make sure that you're not putting something out there that's actually going to harm this person. Mm -hmm. That's not why they're coming to you. So while it may be uncomfortable or painful for you, for them to need to explain that you're not the best person to do this, at the end of the day, it's essential that you're not Putting this person in a situation
1: to kind of set up to fail. Agreed. And as a as a recruiter and somebody who has been on the receiving end of references, I will tell you a neutral reference is as good as a bad reference. Mm. I mean, if you if somebody who's applying to the company can't find two or three people to say glowing things, that is a red flag. So if somebody comes across as yeah, they were they were okay, or you know, that is that is considered a bad reference. So, definitely as you said Carrie, if you want to do somebody a favor, just say, you know, I don't feel like I have enough data to be able to do this or come up with something that politely excuses yourself from the situation. Or maybe it's been years since you've worked with the person and you say, you know, it might be more helpful to get somebody more recent. And if they won't take no for an answer, I think you just need to say, look, I I don't think I'm the best person to give you this reference. And, you know, hopefully by that point, they can read between the lines that you're trying to do them a favor. And and really, you can think of
2: any interaction you have, if you can think of it as how do I use this to build the relationship rather than to harm it. If you genuinely are wishing success for the person, you can say that, hey, I want to see you succeed. I'm rooting for you. I'm on your cheering squad here. And because of that, that's why I'm saying no, because I don't think I can give you the strongest possible
1: reference. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think that's the the nicest thing to do. 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866 or Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham. So, okay, what about this one? Um, You're asked to take on more tasks without a promotion or pay bump. And this often happens if you're actually a good employee that so you get, get asked to take on more and more and you know all of the, the projects come to you because people rely on you and they know you can get it done. And then before you know it, you're doing the work of two or three jobs or Maybe a coworker resigns and the work is kind of split up and and you take on this, and then they don't hire somebody, so now you're stuck with all this extra work, and you know it just becomes the norm. so this is an interesting situation what What would you recommend that people do in this situation, Carrie? Well, I think the first thing is to get clear on what any
2: any scary situation what part of this is scary to you like what are you actually afraid is going to happen? So for some people in that situation, it might be, you know, I'm scared that if I speak up and then I'm going to – you know, things are so tumultuous here that maybe they're going to lay me off next, right? I'm going to be – I'm going to have some stuff or some kind of consequence. Somebody else may be coming from a place of guilt or stuff around money and they might feel, you know, like, oh, gosh, I don't feel like – you know, I want people to think I'm here just to do a good job and it it feels wrong to – Ask for more. Um, So somebody else might have a contentious relationship with their boss and just wants to avoid having to engage at all costs. It's really important, first of all, to diagnose the, the scary thing. What's tricky? What's scary? Because then you can get tactical about that specific piece. If it becomes for you that, you know, yeah, you want more money and you feel really scared of negotiating, that's when you can start to, you know, Google those articles about how to ask for a raise or you can, you know, talk to a trusted friend who you know has been through that before. You can work with that your coach on
1: that. Challenge, Yeah, I love that. And I think for for all of these, that's kind of the the go back to is what is the scary part for you and addressing that? Because the situation, we often create something bigger in our head. And, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? And and we kind of catastrophize and it becomes bigger than it is. But when you do it, and I love that you, you talk about that a lot, Carrie, about breaking it down into parts. Because parts you can address. Big... And it's not all it's never all scary, right? right?
2: Not every aspect of any situation is every scary ever scary to you. I can't tell you how many times I've had clients as as soon as they can diagnose, oh this is the part that I'm actually terrified of. That's when we can get to work
1: because now we know what you need to learn how to do. That's awesome. Hey, if you have something scary or tricky at work and you can't identify what is that that thing that's really bugging me that I need to get over, you are on the right channel. We are here with Carrie Spaulding, the 30-something coach, addressing all of your tricky situations at work for our Halloween special, 844 Wharton. That's 844 942 7866. So speaking of Halloween, Carrie, people spend in America seven point four billion dollars. It is the second highest grossing holiday after Christmas. Which makes me really I was hoping that was gonna be a quiz so that yeah. I could get an answer right. <laughs> yeah. Oh you knew that. You knew that. Well how could it not be Christmas, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but that that actually makes me really happy because I do love Halloween. But here's the part of it I don't like: three hundred and fifty million of that is how much Americans spend on pet costumes. Now I love pets and I love costumes, but I will just tell you, pets and costumes, no,
2: no, you don't. So not for your own pet, or you don't. No, no, not for anybody's
1: pets? pets. That's just, I don't know, that's just wrong.
2: <laughs> it does. It, it's. It's. There's nothing more uncomfortable than watching an animal in a costume it does not want to be in.
1: Yeah, which which is no <laughs> costume. It doesn't want to be in any costume. <laughs> yes, it's. It just. If you take anything away from this show, is this love pets, love costumes, pets and costumes? No. I wonder about for people
2: who are really serious budgeters. Like if that's a budget line on on your budget, you know, pet costume need to allocate, you know, a hundred dollars <laughs> for Fifi. <laughs>
1: And they're expensive. Anything for your pet is expensive. I mean, medications are expensive outfits are expensive why do you need an outfit you don't medications maybe outfit no hey if you disagree with us 844 wharton 844-942-7866 we want to hear we want to hear your reasoning for why pets need costumes yeah i want (laughs) to
2: hear from people maybe tweet at us the pictures of your your pet (laughs) halloween
1: costumes don't do it people
0: don't do it (laughs) Hey,
1: hey we're talking about scary job search situations um, and here's a good one. This, I think, is is up there with being one of the universal fears of many of us, which is presenting. So many jobs you have to get up and present, whether it's in front of your team or, or you know, the department. And this is a scary thing. I mean, I, the statistic out there is that it's it's scarier than death for most people. So... If you're in this position where where presenting is something that is terrifying for you, we're gonna we're gonna give you some advice on this. Carrie, I'll let you get started. Yeah, I think one of the number one
2: hacks here for for me and for people that I've worked with is that when you're scared of presenting, it's often because you're in a place of ego. And when I say ego, I don't mean oh, i'm the I'm the best person in the world. But you're really thinking about how am I being perceived? Am I going to be good? Do they like me? And so one of the the most important things you can do is to take the focus off of yourself and refocus on who is in this room, who am I here to help? Mm -hmm. Right. So the people I've been given this time to present because there's some sort of a problem that needs to be solved or there's information that needs to be shared. And when you can put yourself in that place of service and support, oftentimes for many people, that makes the ego part of it just drop away. And you can kind of refocus on what's the most important thing for these people to walk out of this room understanding. Or another great question is, what do I want people to be able to do when they've heard my presentation so suddenly you're not thinking at all about you know how does my hair
1: look you're thinking about how much value am i creating for these people yeah and along those lines i i I kind of summarize that in my head by saying look this is a 50 50 partnership i've been asked to present and it's my responsibility to prepare as much as i can so that i have that information that's going to be useful and that these individuals can take away but 50 percent is up to the audience to to take that information to ask questions, to get clarification. And I think when I walk into it as a this is a 50-50 and I'm going to work my butt off to get my 50% and get prepared and make sure I have the information in the best way I can present it. Then, you know, I look at the other 50% as they need to come in and take something away. So I, I love that advice and I think you're right. Most of the time we're sitting here thinking, How do I look? Do they think I'm nervous? But I also think people want you to succeed. <laughs> I mean, it makes if you've ever been the audience sitting in front of somebody who is nervous up there, it you want them to succeed. You you want them to like, you know, just pull it together and, and so I mean I think that's something else too, is knowing that the people there, they want this to be a good situation. Yeah, most of the time. And the thing is, there's always one, right?
0: There's
2: always going to be somebody there who, whether it's because they had a bad breakfast or a bad breakup or a bad attitude or whatever it might be, um, may have negative thoughts about your presentation, but that's not within your control. And that's not where, you know, it's so common to focus on that 1% that you're not reaching rather than be, stay present. One of, the, one of the things that I love about what you were saying about the 50 50 is that that mindset also can help you be aware of the group wisdom. That even if it's just a presentation, you're lecturing, it's not a workshop or kind of a discussion kind of scenario, when you recognize that everybody in that room is bringing in knowledge, mm-hmm. wisdom, value, perspective, it can help you feel like you're really in a space of collaboration rather yeah. than a place of like, I'm up here
1: being evaluated. Yeah, like you're a facilitator more so than a presenter. Yeah, Absolutely. and you're, you're somebody who does improv. So you're up there doing that a lot. And I've seen you do it. And you're excellent. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that is something if you're you get up there and you kind of practice the more you practice the better you get so that's- absolutely and in fact on I teach
2: um, applied improvisation so I'll do workshops and you know team building retreats presentations to help people learn the skills of improvisation that can actually help them in their presentations in their relationships and all kinds of aspects of work because so much of what we do in improvisation allows us to stand up and create in the moment not because we we were just born naturally brilliant and funny, but because we've practiced skills that allow us to stay present and to listen actively and to stay in our bodies instead of, you know, focusing on that nasty little inner critic friend that we've talked about
1: in past episodes. Yeah, we, we've <laughs> called him a gremlin the and, gremlin, and, and we've named him. I, I I can't remember what I've named mine. Oh, you finally named your gremlin. No, I guess I didn't because I can't remember. <laughs> I need to name my gremlin, but we did talk about giving them a cookie. Hey, if you're just tuning in um, and you've got a, a tip on how to overcome overcome presentation anxiety how to get up in front of the room and really nail it we'd love to hear your advice 844 warden 844-942-7866 or if you if you have an argument for why pets should be dressed up for halloween we would love to hear that, too, even though we disagree. 844-942-7866. So, um, so let's talk a little bit more about presenting because I know this is a big topic and one that I've struggled with uh, a, a lot and I've come a long way. But it, it did take a long time, you know, because it's not just getting up and presenting. I mean, then there's the what if somebody asks me a question and I don't know the answer. Ah. Yeah, and that's it's like you can't
2: control for it, right? And you'll drive yourself crazy trying to anticipate every single question
1: that somebody could ask you in a presentation. So, one of the things that I go into my mindset when I do a presentation is that, yes, hopefully people will ask questions because that means they're interested. So, that's a good thing. But, two, I may not have the answer. Um, And this is where what you were saying earlier about collaboration comes in handy. Because I say, you know, um, what do do you you guys think? What does the group think? Does somebody have experience with this directly? Because not any one person can know everything. And again, if you're there to serve a purpose of communicating information, somebody else in the room might have that information. And I'll tell you what, a a presenter who is a great facilitator and who has that
2: spirit of being able to facilitate the group wisdom Oftentimes people walk out of that session, that presentation, feeling sort of a high, not just because of the information that they've learned, but because they're feeling more connected to the people in the room. Mm -hmm. So it actually can can set you apart in a way that is almost counterintuitive, because I do think we have the tendency to think I'm supposed to be the expert. I'm supposed to have all the answers. So it's pretty cool when people can get an added value from being able to speak and, and
1: listen to each other. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Carrie Spaulding, the 30-something coach. He also deals with 40-somethings. Like me. <laughs> um and we're taking your calls all hour at 844 Wharton that's 8449427866 it's our Halloween special and we're talking about scary work situations and how you can overcome them so if you have one you'd like to ask us about or you have a tip on how somebody can get over a scary work situation, we'd love to take your calls, 844-WARDEN. That's 844-942-7866. So right now we're talking about presenting. So so preparation, um, and I also think from a biological standpoint, there's a lot of things that, that actually work to kind of calm you down. Like when you think about the nervous system and, and you're getting ready to present and you start getting – you know, shaky and, and sweaty and, and you're like, all right, I'm up next, I'm up next. Um, so one of them is actually fidgeting. I mean, if you fidget, you can kind of let that, inf- that, that kind of energy go. So if you're, you're sitting at a table, and you can kind of move your foot really fast, or I mean, those things do help. Um, we've talked about the power pose on this show. You may not be able to do that if you're sitting in the audience. But, but those physical um, actions really do send a signal to your brain. changes things.
2: Yeah, and it's it's interesting because there's sort of two things you can do. One thing that, that you can do is do the kind of calm down stuff where you really ground yourself, you know, plant both feet on the floor, feel your chair supporting you and really feel your breath and notice your breath and And that kind of mindfulness can really help you chill. But if your heart is beating a mile a minute and, and, you know, that's not helping you, sometimes it's best to, like you said, Don, go the opposite direction, fidget or even, you know, blocking out 30 minutes before it's Mm -hmm. even time to get into go time and turning on the radio and just dancing like crazy might actually do as much <laughs> to help you calm down, you know, and then do the breath. <laughs> and then do the right. breath. But get it out of your system if you can, like go for a run, work out, you know, go to the gym on the day of a presentation, get some of that stuff moving. There's so much research that tells us that, you know, we're basically when we sleep and we exercise and we eat well, we're better in it just about every way
1: that we can be. Here's one of my 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 favorite tips on presentation this has saved me so many times because when you get up to talk you're so nervous your heart is beating and then as you start talking faster and faster and you can't get out of that cycle and you you, you're breathing heavy and you you know you're talking like this and and you know you can't break it so one of my favorite things to do because i know that's the way i start every presentation is to always have a question i throw out to the audience because that gives me a break. It, it helps. I, I can pause. I can stop my sentence. I can breathe while the focus is on the audience, and then I'm fine. And so I always say it doesn't matter if your audience is 10 people or 1,000 people. Um, obviously, if it's 1,000, it's going to be a question about, you know, raise your hands or stand up if you do this, but uh, throw that question, have a question. One, it's also an, it, obviously it calms you down, but two, it's an engaging way to start your presentation is to get that audience involved. I think that's such a great tip. And really like when you can
2: think about who you actually are, know yourself, just like Don, you were saying, you know yourself, you know that this happens like every time. So it's not a surprise. (laughs) It's planned for that. Mm -hmm. And whatever your thing is, um, prepare your presentation, as if that's supposed to happen, mm-hmm. because
1: it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the technology glitches will happen. It doesn't matter how much you prepare, how many times you've played the the video. I mean, when you get up there, it's going to – something, technology is going to go wrong. So, I mean, prepare for it, and, and don't freak out about it. Um, the other thing I really like, and you, you were talking about that one kind of curmudgeon who's always in the audience, I think there's also always that one person who's taking notes and smiling and nodding as if, like, you are, are – putting out the the best information in the world. Like, you know, there's always that one person. And I find that one person, and I just, like, I Obviously, you want to do eye contact everybody, but I come back to that person, mm-hmm. especially when I'm starting to wonder if I'm losing the audience. I'm like, where's that person? Yeah, <laughs> um, because it, it it automatically makes me feel like, okay, okay, there's somebody that's getting something out of this. I just got good. a little visual of like the
2: Super Mario, you know, eating a mushroom, <laughs> right? And, go, you go br- 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 and get bigger. <laughs> and you gotta visit. You gotta have eat a mushroom during your presentation. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just check in with somebody who's really believing in you. Another thing that related to that that's really valuable is to really think about your own internal um support team like um think about the people in your life actually choose a list right some people might call this um i've heard it referred to in terms of board of directors when it comes Mm -hmm. to trying to make good decisions for yourself but you can also have like a board of supporters right and really this isn't something to do on the fly it might be a little project if you do know that you have presenting coming up or if you present often um to think about people in your life who you can almost play sound bites in your own head of things that supportive things that they have said to you or would say to you, you know, your best friend, your your first really meaningful teacher, um, you know, somebody famous who just you admire and, you know, and and then you can actually plan to think about what would this person say to me? Feel that love before you go into not just um, public speaking, but any of these scary
1: situations. Bring those people with you. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you are on Career Talk. Sirius XM Channel 111. It's our Halloween show and we are here with Carrie Spaulding, the 30-something coach, and we are talking about tricky and scary job search situations. And right now we're talking about getting up and doing a presentation in front of a crowd, which can be scary for everybody. Uh, hey, if you've got a tip, we'd love to hear it. 844 Wharton 844 942 But right now we are going to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz there's a quiz. Okay, in 1922, this popular board game outsold Monopoly, and at one point, nearly every U.S. household had one. In 1922, this popular board game outsold uh, uh, outsold Monopoly, outsold Monopoly, and at one point, nearly every U.S. household had one think you know 844 Wharton 844 942 you're listening to career talk on Sirius XM channel 111 we'll be right back
0: you're listening to career talk on business radio powered by the Wharton school here again is Dr. Don Brown
1: Welcome back to Career Talk. It's our Halloween special, and we're talking about spooky job search situations. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we're taking your calls at 844 Wharton, 844 942 Thursday, we are live in studio, and we have Carrie Spaulding, the 30 something coach, with us today, sharing all of her great advice. And, Carrie, where can people reach you if they'd like more information?
2: They can find my website at carriespaulding.com, C A R R I E. S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G dot com. And then you can find me at Twitter at at Carrie Spaulding and I'm at Carrie Spaulding just about everywhere. Facebook, the 30-something coach. So if
1: you look up Carrie Spaulding or the 30-something coach, you'll find me. All right. Well, they should find you then. That sounds good. So, we're talking about um, scary things like having to present in front of the room, you know, what to do if you're asked for a reference and you don't want it. If you've got a tricky situation that you're dealing with or that you've dealt with and you want to share that advice with others, we'd love to hear from you. 844 Wharton, 844 942 7866. Okay, but let's get to our pre break quiz because. And everyone's dying to know the answer. In 1922, <laughs> this popular board game <laughs> outsold Monopoly. And at one point, nearly every U.S. household had one. Dion, we're coming to you.
3: So when you said board game, I was, I was ready with Monopoly. And then you said Monopoly. <laughs> so that's not going to work.
1: But that is a popular board game. So <laughs> Right.
3: Um, Candyland.
1: Ooh, Ooh, Candyland. Did you have Candyland? No, you didn't. Um, no. Oh, I love Candyland. It's not Candyland, but
0: <laughs>
1: but that's a good game. All right, I'm going to come to you,
2: Carrie. I've actually, I've, I thought I had an answer, and now I'm rethinking it. Um, but, but the answer that I was going to go with was, um, was life. Ooh, life. Yeah. Mm. But not life.
0: Mm.
2: <laughs> no.
1: Hey, Carrie in Houston, Texas. <laughs> Yes. Well, that Carrie just trumped me. My guess was life too. Oh, so that is not. So, do you have the game Life, Carrie? I uh, of do. Course. Oh, sorry, sorry, Carrie, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, Carrie, Houston, Texas. Carrie, Philadelphia. I have to separate. So, do you have that game, Carrie, yes. in Houston, Texas?
0: <laughs> yes, I
1: did. <laughs> yeah, I did and too. I do. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just played it with my niece not too long ago, and I mm-hmm. I've not revisited it since my childhood, and I was like, wow. This game, is, uh, this game is interesting in a lot of different ways. <laughs> That's all I'm going to yeah. say about that. They might need to redo life a little bit <laughs> to update it with yeah. the times. But it is not life. Um, Carrie yeah. or Carrie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. I hope you have a happy Halloween. Um, Lori in Georgia, what is your guest? Hi, my guess is a Ouija board. A Ouija board. You are correct. <laughs> Now, it yeah, woohoo! I wish I had a prize for you, but I, I don't. But the prize is you get the ding. Um, and, and, yeah, and I know, like, sometimes Dion's like, is this question have to do with the topic of the show? And I'm usually like, no. But this week it did. This week it did yes. have to do with the topic of the show. Now, I have to ask you, Lori, did you look it up?
0: I did not. I had
1: a Ouija board. I had a Ouija board, and,
0: too. Yeah, and raising the spirits and Halloween, it all makes sense me.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, what else are you going to do on Halloween except raise raise spirits? But here's the thing. Here's, Here's a little Ouija board trivia. So in 1922, the Ouija board ended up outselling the game of Monopoly. Nearly every household in the U.S. had one either stashed in a cupboard or displayed on a coffee table, which I love. Lawyer and inventor Elijah Bond patented the Ouija board in 1891, and most people perceived and played the game as simple and innocent way to spend time. In 1973, the film Exorcist stopped the nationwide Ouija fad dead in its tracks after, of course, all of you have seen The Exorcist. A 12-year-old girl becomes possessed by demons through the Ouija board. And after the release of the film, many people destroyed their boards and sales plummeted. However, Ouija board's sales went back up by 300% in 2014 thanks to the low-budget Hollywood film titled Ouija. And there you go. That's everything you need to know about the Ouija board. So Lori, congrats to you. Do you still have a Ouija board?
0: Not anymore, but I might go get
1: one. <laughs> so so I don't know who makes it. Parker Brothers or whoever should should give this show some, some cred. Now more people are going to buy them, but yeah. No, it's a very fun thing to do at sleepovers and and hey, hey, if you get really stuck in your career quandaries, you can just ask the Ouija
2: board Yeah, it was if, actually, if all else as, fails. As I was
1: researching for this show, it sounded like the the equivalent of like a magic eight ball today. Like, you know, and you kind of a fun thing to do. It sounded like that's what people used it for. Like, will I, you know, get the job? Will I, you know, get married? Whatever. So, yeah, very fun. Thank you so much, Lori. Great, great job on getting the answer. So... Welcome to our Halloween special. If you're just tuning in, we're taking calls all hour at 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866, and we're talking all about scary job search situations. Okay, so Carrie, we got uh, we got a tweet question um, at Dr. Don Graham. And the the question is, how can you overcome anxiety in cold calling? So, when you're cold calling somebody, I guess in sales, um, that can be pretty anxiety-provoking because, you know, you're calling somebody who's not expecting it. And I'm guessing that having done, um, you know, when you, having been on the other end of that cold call, the person doesn't necessarily want to talk to you, doesn't know what you're calling about. So I'm looking at this initially as um, what you were saying before is the ego piece, that the person doesn't know you. You you know what I mean? So it's it's like, What is the what is the scary part of this? Mm, Yeah. And I think, you know, it's
2: it's interesting to think about how much of it is about uh, that ego piece, how much of it is about your own kind of uh, baggage about cold callers, about people who are calling you. Um, If you have some sort of an association with that experience, it could affect you, too. But one thing I think is really useful when you're feeling anxious about that is to really connect with the fact that the person you're calling on the other end is an actual flesh-and-blood human being. And if you can actually picture make up a picture in your head of that person and that that helps you feel relaxed and connected Um, and actually imagine that you're speaking to this person's face it can make a really big difference because there's something so anonymous about cold calling right we can't we're not looking at the person we don't have that kind of a connection so one thing you you can do is really just imagine that you're looking this person in the eye actually smile when you're when you're Mm -hmm. talking on the phone actually smiling and um, and sitting up as if you're talking to the person you know sitting up and having good posture and all of that can actually influence your voice and influence how you feel about yourself
1: yeah and I don't know if this is permitted but I, I think when I get cold calls and there's a script it's very obvious and it doesn't feel very personal and so what i would say is that you're probably given a script to cold call or something you know some things you have to hit but if you can make it your own so i mean if you know they they ask you to say how are you but that's not your style you're you, you know you're a how you doing kind of person i mean make it your style because you're going to connect with somebody and be more genuine if you can use your own words and your own language it can still convey the same message but i think there's there's something that that really disconnects or distances you from somebody when you're reading off a page and it, it just feels robotic yeah
2: and if there's a word that you're saying or a phrase that you're saying over and over again that doesn't resonate with you at all it's going to translate that you know that that discomfort that you have for sure
1: <laughs> yep so good luck um, i didn't get the name of the person who did that but thank you for for tweeting us the question hey we're taking your calls all hour at 8 845- Four Warden or eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Of course, you can always tweet at Doctor Don Graham. Or for more great advice delivered right to your inbox, dawnoncareers.com com is where you can sign up for the blog. So, okay, more Halloween trivia because it's the one day of the year we get to do this. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this one to Dion. Okay, Dion. In the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I'm sure you've seen multiple times. Mm. Ha- <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay we'll we'll go with that
1: okay how many people are killed with a chainsaw
3: why don't you ask me that that the pumpkin when i knew that (laughs) you knew that see fruit on the inside on on, on the inside is fruit
1: oh really yeah what about a strawberry
3: see i don't know the answer to that (laughs) (laughs) i knew you were going to say that (laughs) um uh killed by a chainsaw not killed but killed by a chainsaw yeah Because it
1: is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
3: And Massacre. Okay, I'm going to say 13.
1: Wow. I don't even think there were 13 people killed in that
3: movie. (laughs) I came down off off of my my first though, which was like 30 something. Wow. Yeah. You said Massacre.
1: Well, I mean, that's their word, not mine. Um, Maybe in in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one, two, and three. The total. (laughs) The total. (laughs) Carrie, do you know?
2: Weirdly, I was going to say 13, just because it seemed See? like sort of a scary number. Exactly. Maybe so, is six
0: process. is a number
2: that people like to use with scary things. Yeah, it's one. One. Oh. Which, which makes... Is
1: that a, I know. That's not
3: a massacre. That's a Texas Chainsaw murder.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not even like a serial killer at that point. It's just the Texas Chainsaw... It could be an accident, uh, for all you know. That's what I was <laughs> The Texas Chainsaw accident. <laughs> it's, it's just so much less scary. All right. Well, anyway. The rating
3: of, of, of this movie just keeps going down. I
1: know. Wow. There's only one? That's, yeah. Now I kind of want to see it. Yeah. See, it's not that scary. Only one, one person, and it could be an accident. Uh, we we're talking about scary job search situations. You're listening to career talk. I mean, okay, here's one. Um the uh, you're sharing an office with somebody who is annoying or there's something awkward. So maybe they have bad breath or they, you know, something. How do you how do you talk to this person because this is something you're going to be spending 40 hours a week dealing with. Maybe they talk too much. I mean, Yeah. So this this one, it's so
2: tricky and complex because there's a lot that's happening here. One of the things that's happening here is it's not all there's something about what's going on with you that's getting really triggered by what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. Because chances are other people have engaged with them throughout their lives and some of them have been bothered and some of them haven't. So one thing you can do is really get real with yourself and ask yourself, okay, what why is this getting me? To the point of beyond just slightly irritated to the point of being like, oh, my gosh, I just like want to escape this place as quickly as possible. Um, And then think about how you can take care of yourself, how you can take care of your own needs. Are there any modifications that you can make to make things better? Um, Another thing that I like to encourage people to do, especially if the annoying piece is um, is like an interpersonal thing. It's a personality Mm -hmm. thing. There's just a clash. Is just to kind of try to remember this person's entire humanity. So sometimes I'll tell people, you know, think about this person like getting into pajamas at the end of the night and getting and going to bed and worrying about their day or getting up in the morning and thinking about everything that they have to do. Or, you know, remember that this person was once a third grader, Mm -hmm. right? Or once a baby and probably got all kinds of messages throughout their lives that made them. Um, just make up their own rules of living and ways of being in the world that are really different from the ones that you got. Because when you can at least connect with that place of compassion and kind of basic human connection, you might still be irritated, but you're going to buy yourself some psychological space so that you can respond instead of react mm-hmm. and instead of have that kind of knee-jerk reaction of like, oh my gosh, if she smacks her gum one more time, I'm going to just like scream. Which you get, yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> which may, So, okay, so... I get that. I think you're humanizing them. You're saying, okay, this is this one annoying behavior does not make up the entire person. So let me step back and and kind of do this. But if you have to have the conversation, because sometimes Mm -hmm. you just might, because it's interfering with your work, or, um, you know, you've tried to humanize them, and, and this is still happening. Is there a delicate way to bring it up? where you won't damage the relationship. One thing that just popped into
2: my head, I remember reading a really amazingly wonderful book called Difficult Conversations Mm -hmm. that I highly recommend everybody who ever has to talk to another person check out. Um, Difficult (laughs) Conversations. (laughs) And, um, And I remember having such an aha moment when I was reading that book once and I was having some trouble with a colleague who actually turned into a dear friend, but at the time we were really feeling frustrated with each other, And um, it was talking about, you know, finding your contribution to a dynamic and there's a hard to spot contribution, like things that, you know, if you just can't figure out what you're bringing to the problem. And one of them was not bringing up the issue and just taking responsibility for your own preferences and Mm -hmm. communication, not, you know, trying to be passive aggressive and trying to, you know, plant seeds and then getting frustrated with them. So I think if you have to bring it up, one thing you can think about is what is the most respectful and direct and clear way that i can express a request right so um you know taking all of the personal attacks out of it and all of the frustration that you get at this person for not just knowing that it's not appropriate or how you feel or whatever and and just being as matter of fact as possible can sometimes take out a lot of the drama you know hey if if it's something where you're just you're making a request that make you more comfortable hey when x happens this is what's happening for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Would you be willing to? Why, right? And, and just really owning it because sometimes we'd rather the person just kind of figure it out themselves, and so we we don't just say it.
1: <laughs> sometimes you got to just say it. Yeah. Some, and I like the way you you kind of it's it's shared responsibility. So kind of what we we're talking about before, fifty fifty. Like I, I get that fifty percent is my issue that that smacking your gum or clicking your pen or you know is bothering me. But since we're sharing a cubicle or we're sharing an office, let's find a good compromise. For
2: sure. And you know what? Because the fact is some people don't get bothered by people clicking their pens. I'm one of those people who gets driven completely like personally crazy by those kinds of sounds. And I'm aware that I'm more sensitive than other people (laughs) to it. So I do have to own that a little bit. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to say, hey, you know, I, I recognize that you're just living your life. And I wanted to share with you that
1: this is... This is going on for me. Would, would would you be willing? Hey, we're talking about scary job search situations with Carrie Spaulding, the 30-something coach. And here's one that's really scary. When somebody asks, and everybody who listens to this show knows this is one of my like the most loathed phrases, pick your brain. I want to pick your brain. Brains. <laughs> Brains. I mean, the whole image is just like, Ugh. but But like, I don't know. It just, it's like nails on a chalkboard. I want to pick your brain, Carrie. I just I mean I don't know where who came up with that phrase but it you know It's one of your pet peeves. Yeah, they should they- <laughs> <laughs> pick your brain. <laughs> what do you do when somebody says this? I mean, obviously I am I'm always happy to share advice. I mean, that's kind of the, the what I do, but there comes a point in time where, you know, you are a coach and people want your advice but that's something you worked very di- very hard to attain and and get your certifications and this is the way you make a living this is the way you you pay for your food and your rent and and when people want to pick your brain it's it's basically in my opinion like walking into somebody's store and taking stuff off the shelf and walking out right yeah i think you know one thing that that
2: this is bringing up for me is just how important it is for you to, for anyone to really hone your um, resentment radar, like in yourself, notice when you are feeling resentful, if you are saying yes to a request, and then you feel that feeling of like, ah, like, how did this person take advantage of me? That's, that's really a moment to recognize I need to change my boundaries. And Mm -hmm. I need to, to, to do something different. And with the pick your brain thing, there might be times where you are just feeling like, you know what? People helped me with informational interviews on the way in. I, you know, and I want to pay it forward and I've got the space in my calendar. Sure. I'll, I'll be happy to chat with this person but if you feel that resentment coming up it's on you to say you know uh, direct the person to the free resources on your website Mm -hmm. um or you know tell the person i I, this is not something i personally do because to me it it doesn't make it feel uh easier but i've had people say you know invite the person to email you three questions Mm -hmm. and then you can write by email i don't i i need to know myself though i don't i don't i find it takes longer for me to answer questions through email than it does verbally yeah exactly So that's not
1: really a benefit to me so so I need to come up with something else um I've but- heard people do like um you know I can give you 15 minutes mm-hmm. and then they stick to the 15 minutes um they say okay I i you know, obviously very busy, happy to give you 15 minutes. But here's what I would say. If you're calling somebody to pick their brain, one, don't use that term, pick your brain. <laughs> it's just, it. I don't know if it's just me, but I really, I really hate that phrase. It, it, the thing about it is a very one-way thing. I want, I want to take something out of your head mm-hmm. uh, is essentially how I look at it. But... One, go on their website. Most people whose brains you want to pick probably have a website. They probably have a LinkedIn. Maybe they have a blog. Maybe they teach a course. Maybe they have YouTube videos. Maybe they have a book. Whatever their resource is, go to that first because that's the whole reason that people in like you know like yourself, Carrie, who's a coach, put this stuff out there because they want to help. And most of that is free and they want to help you for free. And there's a lot of questions that, that you get asked over and over. And, and that's why we put out blogs and all these things. So go to that first because you're going to get a much better response if you say, you know, hey, I've been following you on Twitter or I've been reading your blogs and I have this very specific question. You've talked about this and I'm wondering this because then you've invested in that person first. So they're more willing to invest in you. But when somebody calls you up and asks you something that you just posted in a blog or that's on your, you know, maybe you have a, a book or something and they, they have not invested anything, but they want to take. That's where I think the rub comes in. So very easy solution. Invest in them first. And then when you call, you know, maybe they'll give you, like you said, carry an email. Hey, just email your question. Happy to answer it while I'm traveling on the plane or whatever I'm doing. Or maybe they're willing to give you a 15 minute call or maybe there's a a resource that specifically answers your question that they're going to direct you to. But I think I think that's where the two way street comes in. Hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to scary job search situations on Career Talk. And we're going to go to Paul in Toronto. Paul, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today?
0: Oh, hi. Um, I'm a conflict resolution specialist. Uh, I investigate workplace harassment. And I deal with a lot of people who engage in objectionable behavior. And I just had a couple of quick comments. Great. One of which is uh, when you're looking to have a courageous conversation with someone or a difficult conversation, the most important ingredient is to be respectful Mm -hmm. um, of the other person and to uh, um, have a lead in to say with all due respect, I'd like to speak to you about this matter or I disagree with you on this matter or it really offends me when you do this. And another very important phrase that I use fairly often is, help me understand why you, whatever they did, or help me understand why you have to do a certain thing a certain way. Um, And I think the secret sauce to a respectful, to a conversation, a difficult conversation, is how much respect you show the other person. Because that allows you to put a difficult topic on the table without offending them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the I like the help me understand, um, Paul. Because I I think that's the one thing we we skip, and I care. I think that's kind of what you were talking about before. Um, is that we we skip the let me think about why this person might be doing this. And we just go to this is annoying me. So the idea is, you know, why do you click your gum? Why do you maybe they don't even know they're doing it. I mean, a lot of people have these unconscious habits that they don't even know they're doing. Like, wow, Carrie, I have no idea. I had no idea I was doing that. So Paul, thank you so much for calling in. I love that advice. Um, and Courageous Conversations. That's, is that a book as well?
0: Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, and there, there, are, there are many books. Uh, 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 I probably have read the one, Difficult Conversations that you mentioned, but mm-hmm. Courageous Conversations is another, uh, another uh, you can Google that and you'll get two or three books on that as well.
1: Awesome. Paul, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, if you've got great advice or you want to share a tip with our listeners, give us a call. 844-WARDEN-844-942-7866. Or maybe you disagree with something. We love that, too. Tell us why you want to dress your pets up for Halloween when it's just wrong. 844-WARDEN-844-942-7866. Like I said, love pets, love Halloween. Love dressing up. None of those, like, yeah, none of those need to go together. Okay, so difficult conversations, career, courageous conversation cur- yeah, courageous conversations, crucial, crucial conversations. That's another great book. Yeah, learn to <laughs> fierce
2: conversations. <laughs>
1: They're all all great (laughs) conversations, Um, but I like I want to get back to something you talked about. Is is care you talked about getting? What is the scary part for you? So what is the scary part of having that difficult conversation? So for example, if you have to give somebody negative feedback or or critical feedback, that can be a scary thing, and oftentimes we flub it up because we're we're either worried that you know the person's gonna react or they're they're not gonna like us. I mean, so um, this is a common one too. How do you give somebody constructive feedback that you know they may not like yeah
2: Ooh. <laughs> i think Ooh, i'm one spoody. of those people who finds that a little bit scary <laughs> yeah um i think that you know one thing that that really does uh, actually uh, paul paul our caller mm-hmm. um pointed out was the the value of coming from a place of curiosity of genuine curiosity even if you are planning to give direct feedback and and it is important for you to convey factually, like, this is not okay. This is a boundary. This needs to be different. If you can come first, t- spend some time with yourself, have a meeting with yourself, and get curious. I wonder what is going on for this person, that this is the way that he or she is showing up, so that you can think about how can I best approach this person? What does this person value? What is this person, what might this person be missing? And then, even in the feedback conversation, when you're sharing the information, you know, I've noticed that you've been late to work work many times in the last couple of weeks could be an example right and if you need to tell somebody this that they need to start being punctual I'm really curious what's going on for you Mm -hmm. like what's getting in your way you may learn information that is not in any way going to change the the boundary that you need to set but it may help you build the relationship while you're doing so it might also empower the person you're giving the feedback to to actually co-create a solution with you. Because we want people to have accountability, right? We want people to be able to to be resourceful and whole, you know, creative in their own solutions. So sometimes if you can come to somebody and say, hey, you know, this needs to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really curious, like, what's going on or what's getting in your way or what are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah. Right? And, and showing them the benefits, because I think this is it. A lot of people shy away from giving constructive feedback, and then people go ahead and do it for, you know, keep doing it in their career. And so you're really setting up a situation that makes them think it's okay. Hey, we're going to go to Stephanie in Philly, PA. Stephanie, we've got 30 seconds, so we're going to have to get through this one quickly. How can we help you today?
0: Yeah, hi. I was calling because, you know, I have a couple of friends that have had situations where they're working on a project and then a superior, be it either their manager or just another person in a more superior position to them has taken over the project and sort of just taken all credit and and kind of run with it. How do you best recommend somebody have a conversation with them or deal with that kind of scenario?
1: Yeah, great question. Actually, this was on my list to talk about. Stephanie, of course, there's always more on the list than we ever get to talk about. But this is a good one because I think it happens a lot. So, so basically, you're the, you're doing all the grunt work, and the superior goes into the meeting, and and they look like they, you know, they did everything. So I, you know, I, I have a couple of thoughts on this, and we have just a very short amount of time. So I want to I want to give Carrie the floor while she's here. Carrie, well, I learned a tip about this on career talk, so I should throw it (laughs) back to Don.
2: (laughs) Right. I remember hearing an episode where either you or your guest was talking about the idea of documenting your contributions to the project Mm -hmm. in an email, you know, and, and that way you have some sort of a record of what you've contributed to the project. I want to throw it back to you though because I can
1: see you've got some tips. Well yeah, I mean and this this is happens a lot. I mean, I think this is one of the things where you might have to have one of those difficult conversations because um if it you know, if it continues to happen, it, again, one maybe your boss doesn't realize it. That's maybe a little far-fetched, but it's possible that they they don't understand they're not sharing credit with the team. Um you know but i think it's one of the things that you can ask your boss hey maybe at the next meeting we can co-present this because it would really help me with my presentation skills and you know getting visibility in front of other people so so kind of asking for ways that doesn't take the credit away from your superior but allows people to um uh you know have the 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 floor with you so anyway um thank you so much for giving us a call stephanie we really appreciate it we have to wrap up and uh Dion's pointing at himself because i didn't get the the two-minute warning but (laughs) carrie thank you so much for joining the show great to be here as always happy halloween happy halloween everyone you've been listening to career talk on serious exam channel 111